Our gospel lesson this morning is from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. May God bless to us this reading and our hearing of it. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things in me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the poor in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks indeed this day for your word and for the gift that it is to us that we might understand a little more of you in the word. Amen. As we begin our Advent journey, I want to encourage you sometime, perhaps later today or sometime this week, to read the entirety of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 is is distinct from the beginning of the other Gospels. It begins with two pregnancies, both foretold by the mysterious voices of angels— sharing unlikely news. When Mary learns that she's pregnant, she's shocked and she's surprised. And she says to the angel, there's no way that this can be. And so it is that Gabriel tells Mary, the impossible is possible with God. But he also says, you're not alone. Your relative, Elizabeth, she is also pregnant. And Mary knows that Elizabeth is well beyond the age of which most women are able to have children. And she knows that Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, had not previously been able to have a child. So there's a lot of surprise going on here. There's a lot of surprise. The angel then goes on to tell Mary that Elizabeth is six months pregnant and that she's going to have a son just like Mary is. And if you're at all familiar with this story from Luke chapter 1, you know what happens next. Yes, Mary questions how it's all possible, and this is very reasonable that she would do so, right? And after she questions the angel and gets her answer, Mary says these words of humble submission, here I am. Servant of the Lord, let it be so. Let it be with me according to your word. I can't imagine what must have been going through Mary's mind at this point, but I like to try. I like to try. She's essentially lost her youth. Her reputation is at risk, and that of her family. She will be unwed and pregnant. She's going into uncharted territory, right? And it's frightening territory. And yet, forward she goes. 
She goes in this precious window of time where no one else knows that she is pregnant. She goes, and the first place she goes is to see someone who might just be feeling a similar sense of confusion and bewilderment. She goes to see her cousin, Elizabeth. She goes to see the one person who might possibly understand this business of a strange and frightening and unwelcome pregnancy. And she goes about 75 or 80 miles from Galilee to the Judean countryside. 75 or 80 miles, five days or so of walking that dusty road. What was going on each step of the way? Of course, we have no way to know, but we can imagine how she might have felt. We can imagine our own fearful journeys in life, our own moments of confusion when we seek to find answers and we go to someone, that one, that wise person who who is someone we can trust, someone who might be able to feel something of what we feel. And so, yes, she goes one step at a time to see Elizabeth. And when she arrives at Elizabeth's house, Scripture says that Elizabeth is overtaken by the Holy Spirit. And when she sees Mary, she cries out, with a loud cry, a loud voice. Imagine this scene. Elizabeth is pregnant for six long months, and Mary appears to her, and she cries out a blessing on Mary. And then she says this words, these words of blessing that may sound familiar. She says, blessed are you among women, And blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth then goes on. She's she's there in the presence with Mary. And she goes on. And she says, Mary, you are the mother of the Lord. I love what she says next. Elizabeth says that as soon as she heard the voice of Mary, the sound of her greeting... The child in Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy. The child in her womb, the very John the Baptist, who some 30 years later would be the one crying out in the wilderness for all to prepare the way of the Lord, even in the womb, John was pointing people, starting with his mother, pointing people to Christ. Lauren Wright Pittman, the artist who created our bulletin cover image, writes that Elizabeth's womb radiates with joy the leaping of the one who will spend his life directing attention, awe, and reverence to the one in Mary's womb. And so all of this happens, and we reach the the context of our text this morning. The text where the so-called mild Mary speaks in verses 46 through 55. This text is Mary's song of praise. 
It's known as the Magnificat, Latin for magnify. I wonder if you're familiar with the Magnificat. You've heard it already a few times in our service. The Magnificat of Mary is the longest set of uninterrupted words spoken by a woman in the Bible. In this song, Mary is declaring who God is. She's making bold declarations about who God is and who God has been and who God will be. Her speech references the prophets and her words speak boldly to society. This is Mary. I don't know how you've seen Mary portrayed or how you've thought of Mary or how you have not thought of Mary. For many of us in Protestant denominations, we don't think much about Mary. But when we do, she's often a necessary part of the nativity, a good woman, but that's about it. Mary, so meek and mild, friends know this is Mary. These are the words, listen to them again, these are the words of the one who was bearing Christ, the Christ bearer. This is what she says, God has shown strength with God's arm. God has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty. These are not words of a meek, mild, submissive, quiet, humble woman. These are words of confidence, boldness. These are words of a spiritual leader. These are strong words of encouragement to those whom Jesus would speak to the most, the poor, the suffering, those without. And yes, these are words of strength, words declaring a strong God, but words that took strength for Mary to utter Words that took strength for her to utter in this time of great confusion for her. They were a testament of faith. They were an act of worship, a declaration of faith before God. Why has the power of Mary's words been taken from her in her reputation in the world and particularly in the church? Her words could be unsettling, for one thing. <clears throat> and for those of us who live without fear or oppression, <clears throat> for those of us who live without hunger, these words might be unsettling, uncomfortable. Her words could be unsettling even more so <clears throat> Her words can, could be unsettling even more so for those who do hold power. For those who have wealth that is not shared. For those who have the ability to improve the lives of others, but do not. 
Oscar Romero, a Jesuit archbishop in El Salvador in the 1970s who is now canonized as Saint Oscar Romero. He was canonized in 2018. He regularly used Mary as a guide for the poor in El Salvador. He encouraged them to stand in the face of oppression and he pointed to those words of Mary. These words and his mission to the poor and oppressed in El Salvador led to Romero's assassination in 1980 as he was overseeing the words of institution at at the communion table. These are powerful words, my friends. They're dangerous words, words that have been relegated to the meek and mild Mary. But they're dangerous words because they seek to upend and to change society. In fact, Mary's Magnificat has been illegal to read out loud in public in several countries. At various times in the last century, you could go to prison for reading these words of Mary in India, in Guatemala, in Argentina, among other places. Whenever anyone makes words illegal to read aloud, they're probably words worth reading aloud again and again and again. Mary's voice is a bold one. Make no mistake about it. She is strong and she is defiant. Mary is a model for all of us to follow, not only because she submitted to God's will for her, but because she responds to the world around her by declaring that God is a God of deliverance. It isn't just the declaration that God will bring deliverance, but rather that God is a God of deliverance, that God has been a God of deliverance. It is a bold declaration, a confession of who God is, who God has been, and who God will be. A bold declaration in the face of her own confusion. She chooses in the midst of her confusion to sing praise to God and to make this declaration in concert with her cousin Elizabeth's bold declaration. You see, it's Elizabeth who is the first, the first person to worship Jesus. If I asked you who the first to worship Jesus was, you might look to scripture and say, well, the shepherds, they bowed. The magi, they came from the east and brought gifts. We think it's all sorts of men. But in this moment, we see that it is Elizabeth who steps into the mystery of incarnation and declares what God is doing in and within Mary. Elizabeth calls Mary blessed. Elizabeth doesn't say you will be blessed, but you are blessed, Mary. You are blessed, and so is the child within you. And then Elizabeth goes on to be the first to name Jesus as Lord. A woman is first to make this declaration. How interesting it is that it is a woman who is the first to declare Jesus as Lord. And it is a woman whom the angel called favored and whom Elizabeth called blessed. This woman, Mary, will be the bearer of Christ. And a woman, Mary Magdalene, who will be the first to announce the resurrection of Jesus. 
You see, God has used the voices, the wombs, the flesh, the words, the hearts, the faithfulness, the prophetic word, the honesty, the vulnerability, and the wisdom of women to declare good news, to preach the gospel since the beginning of the story of God's intimate dance with humanity. And so when a world, a society then and now, seeks to silence women, devalue women, ignore women, control women, it is absurd in God's eyes. And it is counter to God's story. And so it is that these words of Mary, this testimony of Mary and Elizabeth, and so it is, a declaration of a God who cares about those who are often forgotten by the powerful, a God who will bring about justice, a God who will deliver the oppressed, In these powerful words of Mary, she declares the good news of a God with a love that we will see in Jesus, that we will see in Jesus throughout his life and his ministry. Mary knows this. She knows that that the God who has loved and cared for the world will change the world in Jesus Christ, and she knows that Jesus will do it by upending the societal norms. And this was true in the first century, but it's also true now. The church, you and I, we are still called to listen to the voice of Mary and ask how we ourselves can declare her words as strongly with our lives as she did with her own life. How can we be ones who boldly declare the deliverance of God? How can you be one who boldly declares the deliverance of God? How can you? Looking to Mary's words, we can be encouraged that we follow a God who brings good news. News of deliverance. News of a reorientation, continually being recreated into ones who follow God more closely, more deeply. Our Savior was indeed born of Mary. And our Savior was born of a strong woman. A strong woman who had words of truth and of revolution and a woman who dared to believe in a God who did and does wondrous things, and a God who would do wondrous things. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary opens opens her word, her reaction, She opens it with praise. It starts with praise. But then in response to her outpouring of praise and love to God, it is then that Mary breaks forth into her acknowledgement of God's deliverance of God's people. Taking your lead from Mary, 
I wonder how you can follow this strong leader and follow her approach to faith. This is what we do. This is what we do when we as a church stand up to oppression, even by the simple acts of bringing blankets, sponsoring mission projects, and even by filling stockings with the only items that a young child may receive this Christmas. We volunteer with others at Andre House and serve meals to those who are hungry. We learn about, we don't ignore, we learn about the oppression throughout the world. And we support ministries that seek to help, but also seek to shed light in the darkest areas of our world. All of this because we follow a God of deliverance. A God proclaimed by our mother Mary. A God we aren't following unless we're going where Mary knew that Jesus would go. Give praise, raise your voice. That's the pattern of Mary. May Mary's words inspire us to be ready always for the Christ who will arrive. And may you, the next time you hear the beauty of these words of Mary being sung aloud, may you see and hear the words of a woman who is leading us, leading you in the way that God intends for you to be. A woman who courageously points you toward loving others, breaking bonds of oppression, and ushering in the kingdom of God. May this be what you hear and see in Mary.